It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. On this episode of Recalibrate, we're joined by iRacing commentator Sean Ambrose and market-scale creative producer Dennis McInerney, who dive deep into e-gaming, e-sports, online gaming competitions, and where 5G fits into the equation. Now here's your host, Jason Claybrook. Today we have Dennis from MarketScale, gamer extraordinaire amongst other things he does, and on the line, we have Sean Ambrose, an old friend of mine, who's got a really unique story, and there's a roundabout way that we'll get into some 5G stuff, but today we are gonna talk about gaming and online gaming and all kinds of things that are happening in esports today. So uh, I'll let you guys kind of introduce yourself real quick, but before that, Sean, you're a commentator for esports, online sim racing, indie league stuff. You have kind of a signature call as a commentator. Kick us off. We are mean, green, and underway, Jason. All right. All right. <laughs> Amazing. So, Sean, start off with um, how'd you get into commentating esports and racing specifically? Wow. Um, or actually, boy, let's, 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 back that up. let's back that up, Sean. Let's go back to uh, okay. how we first met. We were at a NASCAR race, wow. and you were smoking ribs. Right? Uh, yeah, Always I think ribs. that was that's how every great story uh, starts. I think there was nineteen ninety eight, something maybe like ninety nine. That. that was yeah, somewhere Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah, a lot yeah. of cars making a lot of noise. You're a big gearhead, and you've always had a passion for motorsports. So that's probably a good segue in uh, what you're doing now, right? What'd you do before yeah. you became a commentator? Oh, geez. Um, I worked in the insurance industry, uh, life insurance, auto, for almost 20 years, uh, call centers, underwriting. Uh, but I've always been connected to motorsports one way or another. Um, and, of course, we met, like like you said, at a Texas Motor Speedway just watching races. And, and our good friend Sean, uh, another Sean from yeah. Texas Motor Speedway, kind of connected us. Yeah. And... Uh, I got this opportunity about six years ago to commentate because someone asked me, hey, you're a race fan. Uh, would you like to commentate? And it kind of opened the door for me, and it started there. It was actually my brother, uh, John, that kind of kicked me in the shorts and said, hey, you should do this. And uh, so, and he's passionate that, about racing as well, right? I think he, he told is, me he has uh, some kind a, of monster sim setup. Uh, yeah, he's got a what we call a a really advanced full motion rig. A lot of money invested into it. Those and, aren't cheap. Uh, no. no, I think the one he's got is somewhere north of like thirty k. So it's, that's insane. Yeah, it is insane, and there are people who spend a lot more uh, than that. So we can probably talk about to, the details. To drive of that a car that doesn't point. go anywhere. <laughs> Exactly. It's, that sits on its uh, mounts and never leaves that space on the floor it sits. Is his pneumatic? Does it kind of move around? It does. It's oh, a wow. full motion. Wow. Yeah, full motion rig. 
Okay, so this conversation started with one of our earlier podcasts. I was kind of scratching my head on this whole Twitch deal, and I got on social media, and, and being the, I guess, really showing my age, I put out there and said, I really don't get Twitch. I don't get all this investment time money and everything and sean was the first one to pop up and said you're an idiot there's a ton (laughs) of money here and i've completely changed my life so so you moved from dallas fort worth area you're in the mountains in california loving life and walk us through being a commentator daily what what how many tell us about who's racing is it just you know, for somebody like me that's kind of an idiot about these things, I kind of have visions of 14-year-olds wearing braces and and sitting behind a 19-inch monitor, and you're <laughs> telling me your brother's got a $30,000 rig set up, so educate me. Well, let's see. Everything we do currently is, is on the iRacing platform, iRacing.com. Very easy to find. Uh, it's full immersion, simulated motorsports, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, uh, sports car racing. Um, one of the keys to iRacing or one of the big selling points is the immersion factor. And certainly some go to great lengths to really get into that immersion. Um, VR, of course, has become huge over the past several years. So guys aren't spending as much on monitors anymore as they used to at least those that are comfortable in the vr environment um do you ever play around in vr sean i personally have not i'm a little claustrophobic so it's a tough thing for me (laughs) uh i tried it just and and you're gonna find that i i think some people like it and really like it and then there's some people that just can't handle it so and i'm probably one of those that fall into the just can't handle it yeah that makes sense it seems like i've i've noticed a lot just you know being online youtube twitch and stuff like that a lot of the racing games are kind of pivoting towards that vr aspect because it is so kind of immersive like you said um i'm curious as far as the series and all the different shows that you work on within kind of the commentating aspect of what you do what are what's the audience kind of like is it most? I know Jason just said he, he pictures you know fourteen year old kids with braces behind mm-hmm. a nineteen inch monitor. I'm curious because it seems like you know a thirty thousand dollar investment is considerably steep, especially for kids in that age range. So is it sure. mostly like older yeah, hobbyists and that. stuff? I'm not <laughs> okay. That for my kids. So again, there are people out there spending that kind of money on on simulation rigs uh, to 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 run iRacing. racing. Uh, but quite honestly, you can sit at your folding little uh, end table tray with a uh, very simple wheel bolt to it, bolted to it. You could probably spend just south of $200 on a wheel and pedals, a uh, monthly subscription to iRacing, and you're ready to go. Now, of course, you have to have a decent modern computer to to run uh the demands of uh, of the programming and you know the program itself but uh you can do it on a budget for sure and you can be very competitive there are a lot of champions out there uh, in this realm of iRacing that do it in the very simplest of means it just depends on what you're willing to put forth and and what you can possibly do but the audience where you 
started with this question is anywhere is our demographic is anywhere from about eight years old up to 68 years old um we've got a guy that runs on saturday nights and one of the series that we cover that was building uh, uh cars race cars back in the 50s he think he's 82 uh, and he runs weekly and is probably one of the more competitive drivers in that series so uh how again old? it's kind of all over the road how old you say he's 82 he's 82 yeah probably safer he's off the road okay. <laughs> that's a fantastic point yeah so so when i pull up iracing.com i see um, very similar to what you see on sundays during racing season i see a lot of advertisements so obviously the likes of nascar and indy league they're getting into this and your typical sponsors you know I, i'm looking at a hood right now that's got the National Guard on it. So is that advertisement being paid for by by National Guard or Coca-Cola or, you know, any other company out there? Well, actually in iRacing, no. Um, that adver- Now, I will tell you that this, the various series such as NASCAR and um, the World of Outlaws, uh, other, other series like Porsche are putting money into iRacing to support championship series and putting up prize money uh, but as far as advertising money? goes um they're really uh iRacing has licensing affiliations and agreements with certain sponsors uh, i'm not privy to that information because at the global sim racing channel we sell our own advertising uh and create licensing agreements with other advertisers uh, to run spots on our network. And I guess we haven't talked much about what GSRC does yet, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, it looks like you guys' partner list is pretty deep. I mean, I'm seeing you know Volkswagen, Audi, a lot of the big names, BMW. It's really cool to see kind of that level of, I guess, commitment from different like large-scale brands, especially within that space. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Porsche. Uh, they... I think over the past two years, they've invested almost $200,000 into iRacing championship money. So, so where it's you, not on the realm of Fortnite or League of Legends or, or something like that, uh, those bigger esports plat, uh, platforms, this is getting bigger every year. And iRacing is now 11 years old. Well, and you're from the area, Sean, but you might be interested to know that Dallas Morning News just launched an esports section of their Sports Day platform. And I was reading through it last night. In fact, I have it pulled up. They have, I think it's called Dallas Fuel, which is a sports team, and they're playing Overwatch. Yeah, I say that like pretty big team from Dallas. Right. So they've got a lot of personal stories about the people that are playing this where. Yeah, you know, they're going by their handles, but they're you, you actually get introduced to their real name, their given names. Not only their is it is it a handle? What do you, what do you uh, call? Yeah, that? usually handle or uh, a lot of them. It's just their username for the most part. Username. Yeah. So, and I found it interesting that one of these guys who's from uh, South Korea was actually banned for a little while because he played on somebody else's account and got got suspended. Yeah. There's so a lot he was of rules. Leveling up people's. Somebody else's account. So, um, 
Yeah, and eventually I want to get into talking about, you know, what I do for a living and how it impacts us, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about kind of your transition, Sean, and what GSR's done to um, how does that become a viable way for you to leave the insurance industry? <laughs> well, uh, the Global Sim Racing Channel, I got that opportunity six years ago to commentate, and I commentated for about four years. Full-time job? And, uh, no, not really. It, it Honestly, small amount of money, extra money monthly, but that grew into more because I started commentating more and the demand uh, got, got bigger. Uh, GSRC got bigger, continued to grow. And a couple of years ago, I got an opportunity to become a partner in the company. And since then we've grown even more and uh, basically that has turned into a living for me now because I'm a partner and we broadcast on average about a, a little over 70 hours a month and our business model is basically this we provide broadcasting for iRacing events uh, our clients are members of iRacing who are involved in leagues or, or administrators or owners of their own leagues, they come to us for an hourly rate. We provide the production and commentating for an iRacing broadcast. And that's been the model since GSRC started about six years ago. So that's really interesting, the production side of things. Uh, I was talking with a coworker of mine the other day, just talking about you know Fortnite and all the different games they have out now. Mm -hmm and how the production value is, you know, steadily increasing over time. I'm curious, what is the production, like on you guys' end, what does that usually entail for, you know, a big series event or a big race? Okay, well, it involves, from, from the start, I'll just do a, a quick capsule. Uh, we get contacted, we provide a quote, uh, then we make an agreement with the client then we schedule the event, we schedule the commentators, and then behind the scenes, we prep the graphic uh, graphic needs for the event, uh, timing and scoring graphics, things of that nature, much like you'd see on NBC, Fox, any of the major networks that cover motorsports. And then uh, the commentators involved will create a, a script, if you will, uh, about the event, a format to follow. And on the production side, in the back end, we prep the event with our software, our streaming software. We run the iRacing service and uh, we pipe that in through our streaming software, uh, along with our timing and scoring software. And our commentators connect through communication software. And then we stream that event live. Uh, currently, we, we multi-stream it to YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, most of our events, I'd say about 95% of them all go out that way currently. How much, how much bandwidth do you need for that? Well, from the production end for the streamer, and let's just say I'm doing production for a certain event, not commentating, I'm actually doing the streaming and running the timing and scoring and all the graphics and everything. Uh, that takes a minimum of about 10 megs up. Okay. So I have a, a pretty beefy package that 
averaged me about 20 to 25 megs up. But uh, 10 is kind of the minimum required to, to do that. So our upload is actually, for the streaming end of it, is more important than our download speed. And if you're a contestant, if you're, I guess, racing against other right. people, I yeah. would imagine these people are all, all over the country or possibly all over the world. What do they need for bandwidth? What's their upstream you know, and downstream needs? They can generally get by on the most basic of connections, certainly not dial-up or <laughs> anything old school at this point. There's some squatching in the uh, background. Yeah. I still hear that sound in my uh, dreams. I hear it in my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, with the, with the most basic of connection, you can compete on the service. Now, it's preferred that you're on a wired connection, but I know plenty of people that are hotspotting these days as the connections have improved. We haven't gotten to talking about that yet, but especially in the iRacing world, connection is super important, not just from the streamer's end, but from the competitor's end as well, the, the member that's you know actually racing the event. So, it, right, if I am racing, if Dennis and I are racing and we're on two different connections, right now and my connection's faster, has better latency characteristics, I'm probably going to have a competitive advantage, right? It'd almost be like having steroids or yeah, human definitely. growth hormone and, and I could jack up 72 home runs in, well, in a given season. <laughs> it's, it's not quite that simple because if you're both within a certain range of each other, uh, as long as the person you're competing against is fully connected, okay, uh, then they will be just as competitive as you. The problem is, is loss of connection, any loss of connection at any point is what we call net code, um, which is a gamer's term. It's yeah, it's official that term. one for me. You and I were talking and you brought up net code and, and being in the telecom industry, I was like, oh, that's this. But let's go through your, uh, all, Dennis, Sean, y'all have different vocabularies in the gaming world than what all of us yeah, data have, wonks have in telecom. I've never heard of netcode before. You haven't? No, okay. I'm curious. All right. So it's it's very a popular term in iRacing, but it, it basically is just the loss of synchronization between the clients and the servers. Okay. So it's, and, like, it's like lag or something. Along. Exactly. Okay. It's latency lag. It's the same thing, but that now, latency is it, the time that it takes for me to communicate and get the acknowledgement back as a function of time. So, correct. So, is it a latency problem that you guys have, or is it just a loss of connectivity because it's not a guaranteed service or it's not continuous? It it sometimes cannot be continuous, and okay. when that happens, there can be a total loss of connection to the server thus eliminating you from the competition and then you have to reconnect back and now this this happens not often okay um because the connections have gotten better iRacing continues to improve everything on the back end with every update with every release and uh but it's still not a perfect medium this this net code these issues they still continue to happen uh 
to the point of you'll see maybe phantom contact uh, on track at times where maybe two cars will get close to each other but not exactly touching and, and then one goes around. It's that synchronization issue between the client and the server that I talked about that causes the game engine to kind of to, to create that situation of what we call netcode. Mm, okay. I guess when we were talking about offline, what I visualized from a 5G perspective in this coming new network that's being built out right now is there's some unique characteristics about it that are that we just haven't seen before. Um, we all know that there's extremely high speeds available, a lot of bandwidth available. Um, the latency characteristics can be astronomical, in some cases under 10 milliseconds um, on, your, on your latency. But one of the things I kind of always harp on is this idea in the 5G standard of having a minimum of 50 megabits continuous. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, but 50 meg all the time. And it sounds to me like if every single one of your players, as well as your production and post, or your yeah, the production of the commentating, the simulation, if you all had that minimum guarantee with predictable latency, you're leveling the playing field for all c competitors that are in there, aside from what they have in their setup at home, whether it's a tabletop mounted wheel and pedals or your brother's 30 plus thousand dollar simulator. So the competitive advantage shifts to the investment of the player. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One thing I was going to say, just in a you know local application here in Dallas, uh, Arlington's new esports arena. I don't know if you're super familiar with it, but uh, they just had an event most recently. It was like a qualifier for Worlds for Fortnite. And um, I was thinking, you know, we were in the area, we'd passed by the event, and the first thing that came to my mind was, what does that network infrastructure have to be like to have 120 people all on the network at one time during a, you know, a large-scale match like that? Because any bit of lag or latency issue can possibly, you know, disqualify or, you know, ruin someone's chance of going on to, you know, win $3 million or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's likely it's going to be Wi-Fi indoor right now. You know, 5G is coming and indoor it'll eventually get here. We're probably a couple years out from seeing a, a real strong penetration of indoor. Or it could be a DAS system, a distributed antenna where it's using cellular but indoor for gaming i would likely i would venture to guess that it's wi-fi i obviously i don't know what they've got over in arlington but you do have some advancements in wi-fi 6 and we've talked about earlier podcasts where you can build a pretty graceful network with personal area networks and with the micro segmentation but when we do get to that 5g world and we have 5g indoor again these new stadiums and i know they're building one here in dallas one in denton i think one in allen uh, actually they've just built one at the star in frisco which is where oh, the yeah. dallas cowboys that's their practice facility and their headquarters they now have esports arena isn't and there i think they're talking about getting a Vegas. team right yeah they're talking about getting a team i'm i'm catching up on i guess the business side of esports <laughs> i have not gone out and bought anything and started playing i don't have time for that um but you, you, there's massive investments in these arenas that are going to require 
some pretty intense connectivity. Not only from, if you look at the models of the one in Vegas that they have, and Sean, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's almost like stadium seating with, and what they're saying is they're gonna have the biggest LED wall ever so that there's immersive way to view other people playing a game. And this goes back to where I started with it and Sean reached out to me because I said, why am I paying money? Why are people paying money to watch people play a game? Yeah, and, right. And get up from it and it, you start thinking of old, older movies where people are playing a game and people are watching. But I am learning, I'm learning fast. It's a big business, but- It definitely uh, is. So and it's changing every day. I mean, the business is evolving. I don't think even you know two years ago you could have predicted the advancements we've seen so far in esports, at least up until this point. <clears throat> no, and I, and we're seeing the carriers recognize that as well. They're making investments there. Um, so, Sean, I, I kind of want to go back to the racing. We're, we're going to bounce around a little bit, sure. get off the network for a second. But um, one of the things you dispelled for me when we talked about this was it's not just the 14-year-old with braces, but you're seeing actual – IndyCar racers or NASCAR racers that are racing sim as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Max Verstappen of Formula One notability uh, competes on iRacing regularly. I saw Kyle Larson on there too, uh, at least on you guys' website, right? Yep. Tony Stewart is on regularly uh, racing in the middle of the night with iRacing members and exchanging colorful language with them at times i I would imagine i Uh, (laughs) if it's smoke he's gonna it's gonna be colorful but at least nobody's getting punched right uh no uh you can't do that through uh thankfully in virtual space as far as i know yet yeah but uh yeah there there is a huge uh there is a growing segment of real world drivers that are getting on to the iRacing service Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been on the service since the beginning. Wow. He's been a member for 11 years. And uh, I don't know that he races much these days, but guys that work for him, that have driven for him, he met on iRacing. Uh, The Martin Truex story is a perfect example. He literally met Martin Truex Jr. on iRacing one night. And they became friends. And the next thing you know, Martin Truex Jr. was living in his place. I uh, never heard that. So Truex (laughs) was was a sim racer and ended Uh up on racing on Sundays. Yeah, well, he didn't start in sim racing, but he was was on the platform. uh, And that's how he and Dale Jr. got connected. Uh, the, The sim racing thing, goes back to the mid 90s honestly when it all first started i got involved initially in 99 i think dale jr popped on the sim racing scene sometime around 2001 2002 that's wild yeah so dale jr's been involved with it for quite some time off and on of course as his popularity rose and his commitments rose uh he wasn't able to compete as much but he was one of the first guys that started carrying a rig in the in the bus. You know, a little table that he could bolt the wheel on and the pedals and race from the uh, the infield of whatever speedway he was at. You know, you know the visual I have in my head about this. <laughs> yeah. 
the visual I, when you talk about Tony Stewart or Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh-huh. being part of this platform, I you know, in game came out where you could stream it or buy it on Amazon last week and bought it. I saw it in the theater, but that part where Thor is in uh, with Fat Belly Thor is sitting there and, oh, yeah. and yelling at the <laughs> kid, I'm going to come and hunt you down. I could just see Tony Stewart or Dale Earnhardt Jr. getting in an argument with that 14-year-old kid with braces. That's, that's smoking him on the track. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. God uh, of thunder. <laughs> now, I at the Global Sim Racing Channel, we're pretty fortunate. We've, we have uh, a former real-world IndyCar driver on our staff as a commentator, Richie Hearn. Um, really? In his rookie uh, debut at Indianapolis, finished on the podium in third, uh, and had a pretty darn good career in IndyCar. Uh, commentates for us, has been for a couple years now. Now, I heard a story recently, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard a story, it might have even just been a rumor, about a, a kid that was, I think it was Formula One, similar like sim racing background. Mm-hmm. And he got a chance to actually race Formula One, like, in, in real life. I don't know if there's any... Lando Norris. Lando Norris. Okay, that's the kid I'm thinking that, of, yeah. That is, yes. So, do you, do you have any background on that story? That's all I really knew was kind of that headline, but... Well, I haven't covered many events that he's been in. Um, but I do know, started basically as a sim, ra- sim racer, and got noticed through that on the iRacing platform uh, won a couple of world championship competitions and then I believe qualified for a test drive through winning one of those competitions on iRacing and then that's how he got his opportunity that's wild yeah it is and that's happening more um, in fact, iRacing starts up again Thursday night with their NASCAR E-Ignite series, which is open to uh, youngsters 13 and under. And they run like Legends cars, um, smaller the, the smaller model cars on mm. the iRacing service in competition. And then uh, I believe the ultimate prize is a scholarship for uh, the ultimate winner. Really? That's really awesome. Wow. Scholarship. So, Sean, have you seen any, um, with the popularity of iRacing in general, is that helping the leagues? Is that helping NASCAR? Is that helping Indy Racing, Formula One? Um, there's always, we, we have these shifts in popularity in all of our sports, whether it's baseball, racing, whatever where either personalities will boost it back up, you know, basketball, you needed somebody to follow Jordan and it became LeBron and Kobe was in there. So are you seeing anything as with the sim racing as a bridge between the more traditional racing leagues? I think so. Um, As we've seen probably over the past 10 or 15 years, motorsports in general has maybe been on yeah, as far as viewership, it's been on the decline, and it's been harder to bring in the younger fans. I think as the simulations, the various racing platforms, whether they be console or PC-based, I think that has helped bring bridge the gap and bring more. Certainly, we've seen the numbers in IndyCar increase over the last couple of years. I think there can be some 
correlation between what we've seen in sim racing and now as those series such as IndyCar and NASCAR begin to get more involved with platforms like iRacing yeah we're starting to see a tick upwards and some of the younger fans come back and I think sim, sim racing in general has had a little bit to do with that uh, I know one of the leagues that we cover the Lionheart IndyCar series on Wednesday nights they have a huge meetup at Iowa uh, Speedway every year. They just had it a few weeks ago for the IndyCar race. And they had over 40 people show up from their league, friends, family. A big meetup in the infield. You're familiar with the scene. Oh, yeah. Jason. Yes. <laughs> uh, and one of the members of their league <laughs> is uh, real-world IndyCar driver Sage Karam, who visited the the campsite there in the infield hung out with them and took pictures and signed autographs and played cornhole with the guys so uh it awesome. was a nice nice big gathering there at iowa speedway a couple years ago for those or a couple weeks ago for those guys well <clears throat> we've talked a lot about the racing aspect and sean thanks so much for sharing all that i do want to maybe branch out a little bit into some other games and uh, you know if i go and look at the projections out there in the market we're talking about esports being a two and a half billion dollar market by 2023 and in 2019 esports is going to generate a billion dollars for the first time a billion with a b which is a little bit mind-boggling again for me and i know i'm playing the idiot in the room here on this but it's cer certainly worth paying attention to from a euro Fortnite kind of player Whenever you're playing that, what, what kind of things do you run into from a networking perspective? Or what have you seen as a fan in that, Dennis? Yeah, so, I mean, I think when you're looking at esports in general, obviously the people with the best connection are always going to do better, just from a competitive standpoint. But when you think about, you know, watching, obviously streaming is really big right now. You've got all your big streamers, Ninja, you know, affiliated with Samsung for a little bit. Uh, it's interesting to see the differences in like a high quality, high bandwidth, low latency stream, and the streamers that don't have quite that great of a connection. And just, you know, the differences in quality and how it affects the overall like viewership as well. Cause you can have a stream, I was watching a stream just the other day and uh, something happened, he lost connection to his network and he went from, the guy I was watching, he went from having, I think like 5,500 people watching him to 260 or something within a minute and if you're thinking about it from a business perspective that's not so hot when you're losing you know 500 percent of your audience practically um but i think in the grand scheme of things as 5g starts to get a little bit more introduced into the world of gaming that'll hopefully be you know an issue of yesteryear yeah i kind of look at it as the democratization of esports so it really comes back to what the player is able to bring to the table. Of course, you have your computer, your setup, whatever whatever you need to actually play the game. But as far as that connectivity, once that's once everybody has that available or it's available in the arenas, and then it's going to democratize the outcome and make it really about the capabilities of the player or the team. Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, the Dallas Morning News now has dedicated journalists and P 
people that are writing seeking these stories, stories out, yeah. about about these teams of you know and they're not all kids sean pointed that out but you know i've learned about og in the last 24 hours <laughs> and i can't tell you the guy's name i know he's from south korea he got banned and he's he's 19 years old and he's maturing but uh, it's a fascinating article when you read through it and i have to pull out a cheat sheet and look at the acronyms and go oh, okay yeah F fsp first player sh or fps yeah. first player shooter which years ago i would play call of duty but that was all by myself for two days after during a holiday break and say okay i've i'm unplugged i'm back to work yeah, you got some so, time to kill i got literally yeah, that, yeah something like that it's interesting um, when you when you think about esports it's kind of like a dichotomy almost you have the super competitive aspect of it where you know it's these high tier competitions between you know it's very skills based and then the other side of it where you have like the streaming aspect where a lot of it's more so like entertainment Yes. You know, the personalities, stuff like that. I think it's interesting. The commentators. Yeah, the commentators, exactly, like Sean. Yeah. It's interesting. You were saying earlier that you guys broadcast to Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. I think that's really cool in the sense of, you know, getting that message and kind of that, I guess, b the side of the business a little bit more so out to a broader audience. Yeah, uh, but we try to get it out to as many people, as many eyes as we can. It's really about you know bringing recognition to the iRacing service and I kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying about esports in the industry and that it's going to be a billion dollar industry this year uh, fortunately or unfortunately iRacing is still very niche uh, compared to some of the platforms that you know, the other platforms we're talking about such as Fortnite and, and some of the other uh, uh, big esports arena type uh competitions that are going on uh, iRacing is a very 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 small corner of of esports and still trying to get its legs within that community and and uh, a bigger slice of that pie uh, so that's that's the need for multi-streaming to different platforms and getting it out there and one of the other things i do at gsrc is i'm the social media manager and that's a big part of what we do too. I mean, uh, getting the message out through social media, promotions, awareness, uh, it's all part of the bigger puzzle of trying to get more people to watch. Uh, and I'm excited about 5G coming from the sense of what you were just talking about and the fact that we may have a guaranteed space that will increase the uh, one the level of immersion to uh, the acceptability of the platform nobody likes getting disconnected from a race when you're in the middle of a 500 mile event in real time and you've got 30 laps to go and all of a sudden you have a dropout that disconnects you from the server if 5g can bridge that gap uh, i think we've got a real winner on our hands I think it'll cure a lot of ills. It won't cure all ills. It's still the connectivity piece. It's not the right. server. But it'd be interesting to see where those dropouts do occur, if it's a function of the, of the connectivity or if it's on the server client side. But um, this, is, this is fascinating stuff, and I would like to 
maybe explore this again in a few months, see how things are tracking, see maybe how GSR is growing, Sean, and and um, learn a little bit more about Fortnite or Overwatch and all these different media choices are really fascinating. And the more we have substantial connectivity and continuous connectivity, I think we're going to see some of those more traditional media consumptions. We've already seen it. You know, you've had, it's not just cable operators providing you TV channels. It's like, it's of Hulu, it's Netflix, it's Amazon, as well as your traditional media companies. And now you have Tony Stewart racing on a sim, and Sean, you're calling it and telling them to go, that you're going green, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was the going green? How did you come up with that? Let, that let's, end it, let's end it with a good story. How'd you come up with that tagline? Okay. Um, you're a ticket listener there in the area, right? Yeah, 1310 the ticket. <laughs> he won day one. Okay, same here. So, uh, Giorgio, George Dunham. Of many nicknames, none of them approved. Job. Uh, so he was the uh, the radio guy for North Texas for years, and there was a a game uh, where he issued the uh, the line, "Do you do you believe in the Mean Green?" Uh, referring yeah. to the North Texas Eagles. Mm-hmm. And my son, who has been a student there for the past five years, he's making a career out of it at this point. <laughs> uh, it's Van Wilder-esque. Uh, very proud dad here. Very, very uh, proud dad of a UNT student. But uh, the whole call to green kind of started as a little bit of a call out to uh, Jub and and to North Texas. And we're mean green and underway. And that's how it kind of started. <laughs> that's, that's fun. That's very cool. All right. So how do, so that's how you started. Is there anything you do to end it? Uh, well, usually in when there's like 20 laps to go, uh, sometimes I will reference the fact that it's time to boogie uh, <laughs> by dropping the disco ball down and getting everybody out on the floor for an all skate. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've done that for a while too, but every commentator we work with has their own little little thing. When we sign off our broadcasts at uh, the Global Sim Racing Channel, uh, everybody signs off with race... Uh, hang on a second. <laughs> race clean, race hard, and we'll see you on the track. Um, that's kind of become our signature tagline out of every broadcast, and so all the commentators use it now. Well, take us out. Okay. Well, guys, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm Sean Ambrose from the Global Sim Racing Channel. And we ask you to race clean, race hard, and we'll see you on the track. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Dennis. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes or for more of our content, you can head to samsungnetworks.com or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 